Thanks for checking out the Oasis Church podcast from Camden, Arkansas. Each week we share the message from our Sunday worship service. Join us anytime. More information at camdenoasischurch.com. Well, good morning, Oasis Church. Man, I'm so glad you are joining us for week five of our series called The Comeback. I mean, this series has one agenda, and that's for you and I to come back better and stronger in our walk with Christ than ever before. Let me encourage you, if you've missed out on any of these messages, to go back and give us a listen on our website or our Facebook page or even our podcast. I have a good friend of mine that uh, he loves to meet new people. Whenever he meets them, he has two questions that's almost guaranteed to be asked after the formal introduction. His first question that he almost always asks is this, what, what do you do for a living? And most of the time, people begin to tell him, like, hey, I'm a mechanic, I'm working insurance, I'm a teacher, um, I am a writer, whatever it might be. Man, people love to talk about what they do, uh, whatever it might be. But the second question that he asks is almost always a lot more difficult and almost harder for them to be able to answer. The second question that he asks them is this. He says, what are you living for? As soon as he asks that question, there is almost always a long, long pause for a moment because they struggle to answer this question. I'm curious this morning, if I were to come and ask you, hey, what do you do for a living? I'm pretty confident that in the comment section below, we could answer that question pretty easily. But the question that I want us to wrestle with today is this, what are you living for? What are you living for? Because here's the truth, we are all living for something. Paul said it this way in Philippians chapter one, verse 21, it's our key text for the day. It says, for me to live is, hey, say it with me just for just a moment, church. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I read about a poll this week that was taken back in 2017 and it asked the public, what are you living for? Listen to some of these responses. 88% of people said retiring comfortably. Man, that's what I'm living for. I wanna retire comfortably. 76% said they want to have a successful career. 74% said, hey, I want to raise a family. Another 74% said, hey, I want to contribute back to the community. And then another 69% said, hey, I want to be a homeowner. And here's what I love about these. These are all really good things, are they not? I mean, when you think about it for a moment, life isn't really life if you don't have something to live for. I know this is probably a little bit not the way you thought we would start off our morning, but if you've ever been to a funeral before, it doesn't take all that long for you to be able to find out what that person was living for. Over the last several years, I've had a front row view of, of being into, into a lot of different people's lives, especially as funerals get ready to come around. And here's what I noticed. When we're sitting around, when we're talking with families and friends just about the life and the legacy of whoever it might be, it doesn't take all that long when you start to notice exactly what they were living for. It comes up in all the different conversations of talking about this, talking about that, and you quickly find out, I know exactly what they were living for. I'm reminded of a man that, uh, that, that, that caught me off guard. He wasn't going to our church at the time. Matter of fact, he was just a guy in the community, ha- didn't have a good relationship with family, didn't have a lot of friends in his life, and, and he passed away, and they asked us to come and, and do his funeral. Well, when we started talking with some of the family and friends that were close, here's the one thing we found out. This boy was the biggest Dallas Cowboy fan the world had ever seen. Like if you start thinking about this question, what are you living for? His answer would be, hey, I'm living for the Dallas Cowboys. Morning, noon, and night, this is all he ever 
talked about. His life was about a football team. Listen to me, it was one of the most tragic funerals I have ever been in. As I stood in that funeral when they were getting ready to do it, just the environment there was just so heavy because there were people there with no hope and who were mourning with no peace. But, but there was another funeral just several weeks later of a man who was, man, just a staple in the community. He loved God and he loved his family. And we were all gathering up, sharing all the different stories. And you would hear like, hey, what did you, what did you notice most about him? What did you love? What was the one thing that he always did? And here were the two things that rose to the surface pretty quickly that we knew what he was living for. He was living for Christ and he was living for his family. Those two conversations, it was always family and it was always the Lord that came up. When it came time for that funeral, that family, the, everybody there, even the whole congregation was filled with this hope and peace about this man. I, I, here's what I've started doing in my life. Anytime that I attend a funeral, I always think about that question. I ask myself, Billy, well, what are you living for right here today? I mean, think about it. At the end of your life, what is the, the preacher going to get up and say about you, about how you live your life? Again, I want you to know that I think this is a really good question for you to wrestle with today. So again, let me ask you, what are you living for today? Here's why this question is so important. Because your answer to that question will determine the direction for your life. Let me say that again, because your answer to that question, what are you living for, will determine the direction of your life. If you're taking notes, I'd love for you to write this down. If your purpose is wrong, then your direction is going to be wrong. If your purpose in life is wrong, then your direction is going to be wrong. And this morning, I can't help but believe that this morning is going to be helpful for somebody here today in making sure that you and I are running in the right direction the way that we are supposed to be. And I want us to look at two different people here this morning. Uh, they have two different, uh, completely different perspectives which brings them to two completely different outcomes. If you're taking notes, the first guy that I want to talk with you this morning about is a guy by the name of King Solomon. King Solomon, he wrote an incredible book called Ecclesiastes. And in this book, he shows us the pain and the emptiness of a life that was lived without God being at the center of it all. Solomon's life is pretty similar to a lot of our lives today. You see, we find Solomon and he is walking and running down all these different paths, chasing all these different things, hoping that some way, somehow, they are going to bring him fulfillment. And what we see this morning is there's a disappointed man standing at the very end of his life, looking back and realizing that he had lived it for all the wrong things. Solomon tells us that he tried the path to wisdom, the, the knowledge. He became a scientist, a philosopher, a moralist, a historian. He was even a great poet. Listen to what the Bible tells you in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 17. It says, and I applied my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I perceive that this also is but, look at this, striving after the wind. Now, here's the thing, that didn't work, so he comes and tries the way of wealth. No one today can, I don't even think we can begin to understand or calculate how much wealth this boy has. L listen to what the message translation says in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verses 4 through 8. Oh, I did great things, built houses, planted vineyards, designed gardens and parks, and planted a variety of fruit trees in them, made pools of water to irrigate the groves of trees. I bought slaves, male and female, who had children, giving me even more slaves. Then I acquired large herds and flocks, larger than any before me in Jerusalem. I piled up, piled up silver and gold loot for kings and kingdoms. I gathered a chorus of singers to entertain me with song. And my most exquisite, whatever that word is, of all pleasures, voluptuous maidens for my bed. 
Here's the conclusion. After all of this, gaining all this stuff, listen to what the Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 10. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This is also vanity. Now, now here's the thing. With wealth and work, man, he comes up with a better idea. He says, maybe, maybe it's wine. King Solomon drank some of the finest wines the world has ever seen from, from golden chalices. But listen to what the Bible tells us in Proverbs 23, 29. This is what he said, who has woe, who has sorrow, who has strife, who has complaining, who has wounds without cause, who has redness of eyes, those who tarry long over wine, those who go to try mixed wine. Now, here's the thing, when wine didn't work and wealth didn't work and wisdom didn't work, his next next thought was, hey, maybe women will work. Solomon put all of his hope in women, but this pursuit drove him to misery, and he made this comment in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 26. He said, I find more bitter than death. I find more bitter than death. Here was Solomon. He comes and he marries all these different women and they have all these different views and perspectives and even beliefs. Someone said that that King Solomon had to marry a thousand different women so hopefully he could come home and find one of them in a good mood. Now listen to me, that's terrible. I didn't say that, somebody else said that. So here's the thing that I want you to see this morning. Solomon lived a life that was focused on the things of this world. Did you see that? The same things that we are pursuing today, Solomon was the same one in his day pursuing those things. Sounds just like us today. But I think it's worth noting here this morning that out of all of these things, you have wisdom, wealth, women, and wine. I did a pastor thing, four W's, look at me go. Out of all those things, it brought him to the doorsteps, listen to me, a failure and frustration. These things, these earthly things that we chase after, listen, they cannot and they will not provide the meaning and the purpose of life that we are all looking for. As a matter of fact, I love what King Solomon said. Listen to this in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 2. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher, vanity of vanities, all everything is vanity. Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verse 14, I have seen everything that is done under the sun and behold all is vanity and a striving after wind. That word vanity means like a, a, a mist or a vapor. All of these things, wealth, wine, wisdom, and women, we have this grand ideal that if I can just get these in my life, or, or maybe not even all of these, if I can just get a couple of these things in my life, then then and only then I'll finally be happy. But here's what we learned from King Solomon is, listen, whew, it won't. Man, are you hearing me today? You can chase after all those things, hoping and believing that they're gonna bring you happiness, joy, and pleasure, but listen to me, they're not. I, I think if you were to come back and ask King Solomon the question, hey, what are you living for? I think we could summarize it this way. Solomon lived his life looking and searching with an earthly perspective, believing and hoping, and I even think praying most days, that he was gonna find his purpose, his reason, and joy and fulfillment through something that was here on earth. But church family, I just need to come back and remind you this morning that we are the creation and God is the great creator and the creator knows everything about his creation. Oh, listen to me this morning. The creator knows about your identity. The creator knows about your purpose. The creator knows about your significance. The creator knows about your destiny. It's found in him and through him. Hey, look, don't miss this this morning. You can't find what you're looking for. The thing to be able to fill that void in your life in any of the pleasures of this earth. Now hear me, there's some good things here on earth, but I wanna show you the best thing for us this morning. Solomon's life was by far the definition of 
an earthly perspective, looking for earthly reasoning. But I want to show you what a heavenly perspective looks like this morning. And here comes our boy Paul with us here today. Paul comes and he writes a letter to the church at Philippi. And in this letter, Paul comes and shares with us what his life is all about. If you've been around church for any amount of time, then you know that Paul's life has always been, not has always been, but in the end of his life has always about Jesus. Paul, to live his life, was all about Jesus. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter one, verse 18. I want you to see what it says on the screen. It says, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice, yes, and I will rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my, de- my deliverance. Look at verse 20. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or death. Here it is, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Now, can I help you with this verse for just a moment? You see, verse 21, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain, is the verse that we all know. It's the one that we all recite. It's the one that we are most familiar with. But I want you to know that in this passage of scripture, it's verse 20 that is the heart of this passage, not verse 21. Verse 21 is just an extension or a clarification of verse 20. Notice again back in verse 21 that it starts off with the word for. That word for means because. It's an explanation of something. So verse 21, watch me, is really just giving us clarity on what Paul just said in verse 20. Look at verse 20 with me, if you will, one more time. Philippians 1.20, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed. Stop right there, don't read any further. Paul's hope right now in this moment was that he would not be ashamed. Can I ask you here this morning, have you ever been ashamed before? Oh my goodness, is it not the worst? Like I kept thinking of some different stories that I could tell you, but I'd probably lose my job up here doing this, so I'm just gonna keep that between me and me and the Lord for a moment, but Hey, look, we can be honest. Man, I've, I've done things that I've been ashamed of. I think if you were honest this morning, you've done things that you find yourself ashamed of. Man, we all have. Shame comes when you've been exposed as a failure or you've been rejected in some area. Listen to how Webster's Dictionary defines shame. A painful feeling of humiliation or distress caused by the consciousness of wrong or foolish, I would add, dumb behavior. Look at it with me, Will, just one more time at verse 20. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, humiliated, embarrassed, regretful, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or death. You see, I want you to know that Paul right here, he has an eternal perspective, which means that his life is not about him. His life is about Jesus. Listen to how another translation words it. Man, I love this one. It says, my deep desire and hope is that I shall never fail in my duty, that I shall never fail in my duty, but that at all times, especially right now, I shall be full of courage so that with my whole being, I shall bring honor to Christ whether I live or die. Man, when we start looking at it, this this just explains so much when we look at it and its entirety. 
Again, look at verse 20. As it's my eager expectation to hope that I will not at all be ashamed, that with, my, with full courage, now as always, Christ can be honored in my body, whether by life or death. And then the most famous verse of all, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Hey, I want you to hear me this morning. Who you are living for will determine what you do. Who you are living for, whether that is for you and yourself, or if you just happen to be living your life for Christ, who you are living for will determine what you do. For Paul, because he was living for, for Christ, it was reflected in everything he did. You could see it in his choices. You could see it in his decisions. You could see it everywhere. It was reflected in what he did. Church, let me just say it this way. If what happened in our hearts doesn't move to our hands and feet, then we missed it. If what happened in our hearts about Christ coming and taking a residence in our life, we're talking about salvation, it just can't stay right here. It has to move in our hands and feet and other people need to be able to see it. I'm gonna guess that if I were to come into your house this morning in your living room and have just a one-on-one with you, especially if you're a believer here today, and I were to ask you, hey, what's the most important thing in your life? I would hope, I would hope that you would say something along the lines, oh, it's my faith, or Jesus is first in my life, like he is everything in my life. And I think that's what we would all say, right? It's the easy answer, it's the church answer. Jesus is first. But hear me this morning, I don't think that that's the right question that we need to be asking. I think there's a better question, and it's this. Are you listening? Who does your life reflect the most? But let me ask you this way. Better yet, who does your life represent? Man, it's one thing for us to come and sit here today and say, oh man, I love Jesus and I care so much about him. Jesus is first. But it's something completely different for you and I to show and demonstrate that Jesus is first in your life. Listen to what the Bible tells us in John chapter 14, verse 15. If you love me, this is Jesus. If you love me, then you need to keep my commands. Look at another translation. If you love me, listen to this, obey my commandments. For Paul, it was living and in his dying, his reason for life was Jesus. His reason for life was Jesus, that Jesus would be, would be honored in every area of his life. Let me ask you this morning, as we look at these two characters, what about you this morning? What are you living for? Man, I hope that, I hope that this morning one or two things is happening. I hope that you're experiencing a little bit of conviction, that you're realizing right now, man, I'm not living for Jesus I'm doing a whole lot more of living for myself. Or maybe this morning is just a real clarifying moment where you're like, man, I am living for my Lord and Savior because I love him and I care about him. Who are you living for? Listen to me today, that if you come and you say, hey, Billy, man, for me to live is Christ, that I love him, I want him to be first in my life, then you need to know that in every area of your life, every aspect of your life, for you to be able to, to, to honor and, and, and glorify Jesus and in everything you do. Let me say it this way. Then every avenue and aspect of your life should be lived with the hope and desire that Jesus Christ would always, always be honored in everything you do. He would be honored in your life and in your death and everything in between. I found a pretty interesting thing. The word honored in verse 20 comes from a Greek word called megaluno. Sounds like a good Italian dish, does it not? But it's not. It's a Greek word that means to magnify. Matter of fact, if you have a King James Version with you this morning, it says that my hope is that Christ would be, look at this word, magnified. And as I was thinking about that, that word, I remember an old sermon I heard from years ago from an old pastor that 
man, I happened to go back and was able to find it. I don't remember his name, but I wish I could give credit to, but I want you to listen to this. He comes back and he points out that there are two different types of magnifications. One is a microscope and one is a telescope. Now, here's what we know about our microscope. The microscope takes something that's really, really, really small and it makes it look bigger than it actually is so you can see the details and the intricacies that you couldn't see with your naked eye. Now, a telescope, on the other hand, it doesn't take things that are really, really small. It takes things that are really, really big, takes that are massive, and it brings them closer so you can see all the details, again, that you might miss. So here it is. When it comes to your relationship with Jesus and him being magnified in our lives, it's not a microscope that we want. It's the telescope. We want other people. We want anybody and everybody to see just how big Jesus really is, and that only happens when he is magnified in your life. Are you listening to me this morning? We want other people. We want everybody. We want your friends. We want your family. We want your coworkers to see just how big Jesus really is. And that can only happen when he is magnified in your life. And that's what it was for Paul. He had one goal, one agenda, one desire, one hope, one prayer, that it was to show the world the worth, the glory, the majesty, the power, the grace, and the mercy of Jesus like never before. He says, I'm going to do that whether I live or whether I die. Oh, church, I don't know what you've been taught about being a Christ follower. I don't know what you've been taught about the meaning of being a Christ follower or a believer, but I'm here to tell you this. I can't think of a better description of what our lives should look like for us believers, us Christ followers today, that we should be living our lives in such a way that we show the worth and the glory of Jesus in every area of our life. So again, I need to ask you here this morning, what are you living for? Is it for you and yourself and your own kingdom? Or are you living for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? I believe what we learned today is this, that there are men and women that are looking everywhere for something to be able to fill that void up. I think a lot like King Solomon. And you just keep putting all these different substitutes in it that you hope some way, somehow are gonna fill the void, but nothing ever seems to happen. Look, listen to me this morning. You don't need wealth. You don't need power. You don't need position. You don't need pleasure to be happy. What you need is what Paul found in a relationship with Jesus, and it was Christ. He says, for me to live is Christ. And I don't know where you are this morning, but if you're not a believer here today, if you've never placed your faith and trust in Christ, listen to me this morning. There is no life that's too desperate. There's no life that's too hopeless. There's no life that's too bound or too broken that Christ can't change. When we come to Christ and we come and confess our sins and put our trust in him, we experience a new changed life. And then we start living how Paul did. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And if you've never placed your faith and trust in Christ, we would love to share with you today from God's word how that can happen. But maybe you have done that and maybe you're really realizing that, man, you've got these two kingdoms completely messed up, that it's not to live for Christ is all about your life. Hey, would you just take a moment, just a moment, and just spend some time confessing that you've been living for, for you and your own agenda and your own kingdom for some time. Come back, confess and repent, and then get back to doing the works you were doing back at first. Who are you living for? Who are you living for? I hope it's Jesus. Would you pray with me here this morning? 
Father, we come to you today. God, I thank you so much, Father, for your word. I thank you so much, Father, for, for these two incredible men that we see in Scripture. And God, I just pray right now. I pray that as we as we hear your word, and Father, I pray if we if our lives aren't falling in line with your word, then I pray that this morning would be a moment where we could stop and pause and bring our lives back in line with your word. And we can say what Paul said, for me to live is Jesus, and to die is gain. God, thank you so much for our great Sunday. I pray that you continue to go before us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.